see some movement at the takeoff zone. It's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry. This thing holding open. It spits. When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit. Spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good-looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got You're right, David. The lighting is not flattering to your skin complexion, as you so aptly said. Welcome, everybody. Spit. The Spit Podcast. David Lee Scales, Scott Bass, we're talking at you. We're talking all things surf, and it is Tuesday, February 16th in the year 2021. David, how you doing there, bud? I'm wonderful. I don't know if I've expressed this to you every year around this time, but I really appreciate your pronunciation of the word February, putting the emphasis on the R. It's one of my few talents, so I try to maximize it. Is it a pet peeve of yours when people say February? No, not really. Not a pet peeve. It's, you know, I, you know, I do surf reports here on the radio, so I try to get all the syllables and all the consonants in the right places, you know? And I you're still a, screw it up. You are a true professional. I don't know about that. <laughs> How'd you celebrate Valentine's Day, Scott? Um, what did we do? Uh, I'm trying to think. We it was Sunday. Oh, I went to the I went to the dump. Wow. My wife asked me to to no you yeah get get used to it, pal. My wife said, would you do me a favor today? And I said, sure, honey. And she goes, I'd like you to go to the dump. And I said, absolutely. So you I are such dump. a romantic. So she's trying to get rid of you on Valentine's Day is what you're saying? Yeah, basically. She's like, leave the house for the day. Did you so make yeah, her, that's what I did. Did you make her a heart-shaped loaf of sourdough? No, I bought her some beautiful roses. I didn't make her any sourdough. I think we had frozen burritos for dinner and they were frozen like we didn't even heat them up we just ate them ice cold wow that's interesting um so i've got a question because you were promoting the idea of getting flowers every time you go to the grocery store yes like a month or two ago right yes well does it then fall on or is it less appreciated on valentine's day then you know what i mean like does the yeah is it not as cool then on valentine's day because she's already gotten them you know 30 times throughout the year? Well, it's a good question. Makes sense that that would be the case, but I use, I did in fact get her a much nicer, more vibrant um, with roses and some other, you know, usually I just grab the stock, you know, sunflowers that are at the grocery store, but on Valentine's day, we go all out, we get the really good bunch. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, buddy. Smart, smart strategy. Uh, well, Scott, we have arguably the biggest week, the biggest news week in surf in months. Yeah, we do, right? A lot of things happened here with the WSL. They sent out a press release that covered a lot of ground. Um, I Basically, the WSL, the World Surf League, is confirming that the championship tour events for the Australian leg are going to be in four locations, Newcastle, Nairbean, which are in New South Wales, and Margaret River and Rottnest Island, which are in Western Australia. 
the Gold Coast and the Bells Beach events are canceled for 2021, which makes the East Coast Surfing Championships the longest running surf contest in the history of the world. Thank you for answering last Je week's question. Yeah. Jesse Miley Dyer has been appointed the senior vice president of tours, plural, and head of competition. This is the bullet point that raises the most eyebrows for me, or I have the most questions about this one. Yeah. And um, the rest of their press release, I didn't really read too much, but that's sort of the bullet points. Let me, what are your takes? I'm going to give you takes after. Let me kind of um, illuminate the bullet points a little bit. There's four kind of key points to take away from this big news yesterday. Number one is that the Gold Coast Pro at Snapper has officially been canceled. So um, they are going to be able to run four events. The locations now are different. So Bells, we discussed last week, was already canceled. The news this week is that Gold Coast is also canceled. So the events will now take place at Narrabeen, which is, you know, a beach break. Um, and what? You're shaking your head now? Not into it? I'm just... Oh, no, I'm into it. I mean, it, it, look, it's going to be... It's going to have QS level surf. Correct. I mean, it, on its day of days, it's world-class, but ultimately yeah. it's a beach break at the end of the day. So the odds yeah. are that it might not be great. Uh, Rottnest Island is actually the surf spot that they're going to be doing. It is called Strickland Bay. And apparently it's an A-frame reef. So not all that dissimilar to Margaret's, a longer left, a shorter right with kind of an end section. Um, and then... Uh, the other two events, of course, Margaret River is still on the schedule, and then Newcastle is the other. The three newly added WSL events are all being sponsored by Rip Curl, which I think is a point worth discussing. And then the biggest yeah. point, which I think they buried a little bit, is that Pat O'Connell. You mentioned Jesse Miley Dyer, uh, Miley Dyer stepping up into his role. But the real news there is that Pat O'Connell is leaving. And so why is Pat O'Connell leaving is the question, especially given that the exact role of the job is the commissioner, essentially, the head of tours and competition, formerly known as the commissioner. And now the tour is back underway. And that's right when Pat steps down. So is that the first topic that we discuss? Yeah. Yes. Let's discuss Pat O'Connell. I, I wasn't, I did not know that I had seen some stuff on Instagram and I thought it was just kind of like snarky takes on Pat. I didn't know what was going on with Pat. So this is news to me that Pat O'Connell's gone. I did Pat, not know that. Pat O'Connell resigned. So oh, he resigned. He resigned. And the quote that Eric Logan left was that Pat is leaving to quote, pursue new opportunities, end quote, which I think is the classic. That is the classic. Seinfeld did an episode about, it's not you, it's me. When you break up with somebody, that's what you say, so as not to hurt their feelings, even though it's entirely them. Somebody resigning because if they're ever unhappy with the company, they rarely say we're unhappy with the company. They say, I'm leaving to pursue new opportunities, right? So what new opportunity, first of all, uh, are there new opportunities? I'd say this is a year coming out of COVID. There's not a lot of new opportunities. It doesn't seem like a ripe time to uh, get involved with some new endeavor. I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. And so the question I guess that I have for you, Scott, I'll let you jump on the grenade, is 
jump <laughs> is Pat jumping from a sinking ship or is he really leaving to pursue new opportunities? Well, of course, I don't know, but I will jump on the grenade and suggest to you that that he is um, he is just leaving a sinking ship. Um, it's just been a tough, tough two years here for the WSL. And I think Pat's, as you know, Pat's a very smart guy. Um, he probably did have his line in the water and fishing around for other opportunities on the down low. That wouldn't surprise me. And in fact, something may have come along and he jumped at it like anything's better than this. I don't think it takes a fortune teller to to realize that the WSL is in a tough spot. You know, it's a tough deal here. I mean, and again, it's I, it's it's COVID, right? I mean, there are some things that they've done wrong. Granted, we went over them at length. Um, let but me I mean, ask to have, you, yeah. Let me ask you this, and I will kind of restate, by the way. Um, there actually are opportunities. I don't know that the opportunities are as maybe illustrious as what he was doing at Hurley and the opportunity that he had at the WSL. But a lot of people who left Hurley have started and are starting new ventures. We know John John Florence is one of them, you know, and there's others as well. And so I'm sure that any of those entities would be more than happy to have Pat on their team. So there are opportunities. But yeah, I think the question really that I have here is it feels so the WSL has been um, hiring from outside of surfing for the last couple of years, which I think is largely a good move. Hiring professionals with proven resumes from the UFC, from other sporting uh, spaces and Eric Logan himself coming kind of from a broadcast deal wrangling kind of world. Uh, and so that's all fine and good, but you want to still have salt in the building, of course. And that's a criticism that we've given them a lot, which is bring surfers in to help guide the ship. It's great that you have people who understand finance, understand um, distribution deals, but we want to make sure that there's surfers in there helping guide the ship. And so it's fantastic that they've kept Dave Prodan there. They've brought Pat O'Connell. They've brought Devin Howard. So you and I as surfers feel like we can kind of have somebody representing our interests, right? Making sure that the best surfers are surfing in the best waves in the world is all, what it ultimately comes down to. And I'm and we've had, uh, you know, Devin Howard and other people say, you know, and they've said it on air too. I'm not sure that my, my kind of influence or my decisions are fully being heard, or sometimes they're heard, but then it runs through layers of bureaucracy where it then gets shifted to meet the company's best interest. And that's frustrating. And so the question really that we have here with Pat leaving is, has Pat hit his head up against that wall so many times that he feels he won't be able to enact the salt into, infuse the salt into the corporate structure? Or is he just, you know, he's had his two years and now he's just going to pursue new opportunities. If it's, if it's the first answer, which is he's frustrated and he doesn't feel like he's going to be able to enact change, then that's a scary place for you and I. Yeah, I, I really don't know. I mean, you know, that's the thing. Like we're speculating, obviously. And I would suggest to you that there are a bunch of, options here in in this prism of speculation one of them could be 
Pat was always a surfer, surfer. He was going to do the surfers. He was going to, you know, do what was best for the pro athletes and the surfers. And um, the WSL was making decisions above him that he didn't feel like were in the best interest of the surfers. Right. You know, uh, and again, I don't even know this to be the case. I'm just throwing this out there. But I always sensed that he was like the guy that was going to be the voice for the athletes. And of course, that's kind of, you know, the commissioner's job is to sort of be between, you know, the corporate interests and the interests of the athletes. Yeah. Um, The other speculative option is that, yeah, his two years were over. Um, It's not going anywhere good right now. If there was ever a time to get out, this would be a good time to get out. You've got some um, some shade, some cover, you know, you've got COVID to kind of go, I'm out and, um, you know, I don't have so much of a problem with Pat leaving as I do have a problem. And it's not a problem. It's more naivete or perhaps ignorance. But I would ask you if a figurehead such as Pat O'Connell, who is probably one of the best choices you could get to be the salt in the building uh, and he leaves, this seems like a really crucial moment and a moment where you need to plug that hole with somebody where everyone goes, okay, cool. He or she has got this. And I'm not saying that just Miley Dyer isn't that person. I just don't know her that well. She, to me, she's not like, oh yeah, that's a no brainer. She could be great. She could be better than Pat O'Connell for all I know, but you know, and again, it's not really, I, they're not, they don't have to assage. They don't have to make me feel good about their decision. But I'm just asking you, as we sit here and talk about this, is there a, a somebody else, a short list of people where we could go, you know what, if they had put this person in, I would feel pretty good about where we're going with this, especially from the surfer's vantage. Um, again, I don't know Jesse well enough to make any of these, you know, decisions about, about where she stands on this. Um, but, you know, it's funny. It's funny that you say that I actually had the exact opposite thought when I saw that she was stepping into the role was I can't imagine somebody better to actually, um, fill this void. And Mikey, Ciamarella, why is that? Mikey, I would like to know why that is. Mikey Ciamarella wrote about it on stab about this story. And then at the very end, yeah. he referenced Jesse and he said, for anybody wondering about Jesse's credentials, she's a former, World Junior Champion, CT Rookie of the Year, Honolulu Bay CT winner, surfers rep on tour, uh, board member at the WSL, and also a tour the tour manager. She worked under Pat O'Connell as a tour manager uh, for Pat's entire um, tenure at the WSL. So she was essentially next in line in that exact qualification. But of course, sure. her, her background resume as a professional surfer is actually pretty similar to Pat's as well. So I think it makes a lot of sense for her to slide in. I know um, just from following her and Eric Logan on social media in the recent years, they spend a ton of time together. They're surfing together in Manhattan and around LA all the time. So I'm sure that he's been kind of grooming her for something like this, you know, and she knows the ins and outs. Well, I'm not, I'm not doubting that. And I'm not doubting that she's going to be great at her job. As I mentioned prior to my comments, I simply don't know. But if you, um, the thing is, is that I didn't need to see a resume of Pat O'Connell to know that he was going to be good for the job. And again, maybe that's on me. You know, maybe that's because I haven't followed the woman's tour enough or whatever. I'm not doubting that she's qualified. 
I'm, I'm, but I'm not. But I'm not saying that she is. I simply don't know. Apparently, you have, uh, as you know, more faith in that, and I, and I hope that I'm proven wrong. And again, I'm not saying she's not going to be good. I'm just saying that as an outside end user, I could I could probably pick some people that yeah aren't groomed for the position. Certainly aren't second in line. I'm not saying that she's you know, in many ways maybe she's too close. You know, maybe they need somebody to go in there and go, you know what, you guys are screwing up. We need to do it this way or we're not doing it at all. Like, I almost feel like, you know, it's just, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, I, I, I can't imagine there's speculation on this, but I don't want her to just be, um, I hope she's, I'm confident that she'll be strong enough for the job and that she'll be able to, to, you know, do what needs to be done and, and sort of go the long, hard yard when it's, when it's time to do that for the, for the events and for the surfers. I, um, I can't imagine that they would go the route of bringing in a rabble rouser who's going to go the opposite direction. You know, I think everything that they've done at this point pr uh, proves they want to keep a pretty straight and narrow path and try to appeal to the broadest possible audience. So it makes perfect sense that if she's been groomed through the company and um, they share the same exact vision that she could just step in and implement the vision. I think that's the strategy here. Yeah. Um, in regard to these specific spots, one, one problem that we had in the recent months was them trying to get Lennox approved. And of course the local community uh, backlash, not wanting it to be held there. How do you feel the the tour, the uh, community support would be at Narrabeen or um, Rotto Island? Uh, Rottnest Island. I don't know too much about it except that it's sharky as hell. There's only three hundred um, inhabitants. Three hundred people live on the island, and there's no cars. So you're bringing the WSL surfers there to. I mean, it's they're they're gonna overrun the island. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I mean, it, it depends on who you're talking to, right? I'm um, talking to you. What do you think? <laughs> I think that just as an end user of competition, if it's pumping, I'll be I'll be stoked. But yeah. I can't speak for you know how it's going to affect the local surfing community. I know there's a lot of guys in WA that go over there and surf there and. Quit flicking that you know, thing, whatever you're doing. Sorry. I just don't, you know, I don't know about Rottenness Island. I do have a, a dear friend of mine who lives over there and surfs there. And, and he says it's very, very sharky and it's a good wave. And that's really all I know. I, I don't know if this is a boon or a bust for the local community. You know, my gut feeling is, you know, if the WSL shows up at your home spot, it's generally not a good thing. I mean, there's no upside, really, well, if you're the local surf community. This is being branded again, Rip Curl sponsoring these events. This is being branded as the search. They're bringing yeah. back the search moniker. Uh, yeah, that's so, just marketing. That's just cover well, for we, 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 we promise we'll never come back here. We're only going to do it once. Yeah, I, I guess it is. But I, I think in past search events, they actually don't reveal the location. Um, I mean, we all know the location when they do it in Mexico, we knew where that location was. They say they're doing it in San Francisco. We know exactly where that location was. Uh, they did it in Chile at one point, I think. But yeah. but I think, you know, the, the idea of blowing up the spot would have locals bothered. 
you know, the WSL is only, I mean, how many, I wonder how many general WSL viewers have even ever heard of Rottenness Island. So now they all are going to know about it and it's going to drive some attention. So I think maybe the local surfers might not be psyched on it, but I would imagine the local economy would be thrilled with it. Like those 300 inhabitants yeah. of the island who survive on tourism probably had a shocker of a year, you know, through COVID. And now this will help them recoup some of that. Um, and presuming, of course, that everybody that shows up is tested negative, there won't be some COVID infestation on the island. That would be the main concern. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, the umbrella that's kind of hovering over all of this conversation is, look, it's COVID. It's just a tough time. Jessie makes tons of sense. She's been groomed. Put her in. There's no reason to shake, you know, stir the, stir the drink in the wrong direction. Is that a metaphor? Nope. Uh, I could try it. Um, yeah, you know what? I'm throwing it in there. You know, I mean, these spots, these four spots, yeah, they're not the best, but it, it is what it is, you know? Um, I, so, I mean, I'm, I'm psyched at the prospect, to be honest. Like, I'm thrilled to have professional surfing for us to view. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am too. Um, you know, it's it, it feels like Margaret River is going to be the best wave of these four. Yeah. And and on tour, it's usually one of the lackluster waves. I know that's a sh that's so you know whatever. Again, it's just kind of like let's just put band aids on this year and try to get through it and and crown a champion, and and let's just get through this thing as fast as we humanly possibly can. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think what you alluded to, and we kind of talked about last week was, um, the reason behind this is trying to keep the events in specific states. So Queensland and Victoria are being particularly strict with COVID protocol. Yes. And so yes. when those became not viable, they just said, hey, well, where can we do it without hopping too many borders? These are in two separate states. So there still is potential for a lockdown in one of the states and things to go awry, but less of an opportunity for that than if, uh, of course, they were jumping between four different states. Um, I do have, I did mention last week, or I asked you about what are the odds that all the uh, athletes make it to these locations and not just because they're going to be coming from different countries. Also, are they all going to be interested in going? And I actually had a conversation with somebody who had been talking to Kelly in the last week and Kelly was saying he's unsure if he's going to go to Australia um, for that exact reason of like, hey, I've got business obligations. I've got I don't want to necessarily get stuck in Australia for three months. And he's obviously at the tail end of his career. So it's um, less important for him to participate. Somebody like Griffin Colapinto, of course, would probably jump through every hoop to ensure that he's kind of at the front of the spotlight competitively. But with people that have a lot of obligations, Kelly, in terms of business, uh, Jordy Smith, in terms of kids, Julian Wilson, in terms of kids, how how interesting does this look to them or how important does this look to them? Well, let me read you something that I got that I think is kind of interesting. It, it's, it's from a listener. He said, hey, Scott, instead of fantasy surfer, we should do fantasy tour and bet on what events will actually happen and which events will not. The latest dribble from the WSL PR team was a great example of panic release with lots of promises and little substance. The excuses will come fast and furious 
as the latest list of events will be systematically postponed, delayed, or scaled back in upcoming weeks because of COVID. They have burned some big bridges in Hawaii and other locals trying to skirt the rules and the impact will go beyond those locations for 2021. The WSL should take the time to rebuild and reformat to more of a festival style event that is inclusive of a broader swath of surfing. Best bet would be a fresh start in 2022 and for the pro elite surfers, change the format for the first year back and opt to go back in time with a series of trials at each event for the top 64 QS athletes, seeding into the main for the top 32 CT and those four wild cards. So some interesting stuff to chew on. The biggest one there is, and this goes against what you and I spoke about last week and what I sort of was emphatic about last week, but let's just clear the whiteboard and let me throw this at you, David. We agree that there's no lack of funding for the WSL through Dirk Ziff. Why not just pull the plug? Why not pull the plug until 2022, rein everything in, don't even stress about COVID tests or a plane full of pro athletes, any of that stuff. Just pull the plug. We'll start at Pipeline in December of 2021 for the 2021-2022 season. Wipe it all clean. It gives us time to kind of sit back, reevaluate. And um, because there's no lack of funding, we certainly don't have to crown a champion. I think everyone would understand. What do you think of, of this as a possibility? I'm okay with the possibility. Um, I'd also be okay if they end up running events. I think you and I are so looking at it under a microscope that we get dismayed and caught up and we spend a lot of energy with every little development. You know, if you're just watching from afar and they happen to run four events in Australia, you're psyched to see those events. And then if they don't- Are just, you though? Are you though? Three to four foot Merriweather or Newcastle? It's better than nothing. I Is it? Yeah. This is funny. We were on the exact opposite last week. I was arguing all about it. You were right. saying that. Ah. I guess I guess what I mean to say is as the end viewer it's worth it if there's no um collateral damage. Like going to let's let's use pipe as the example earlier this year. Going to pipe earlier in the year and you know the covid kind of mishap or outbreak that they had there, the mishandling, like all of that, I don't know that the collateral damage is worth running the event. If you can promise to run, I mean, but there's no promises, there's no guarantees, of course, but if you can successfully run the event, then I'm fine with it. Yeah, I think it's better than not running the events. It depends what successfully running it means. Cause I'm, as you know, I, I'm a fan of, you know, the waves are the stars. Like I'm not necessarily going to want to watch three foot, four, yeah, four foot Newcastle. You're right. I mean, it's just at this New point Port I'm Beach. so starved. I'll watch it. But you're not starved. You told me that you're not. You told me that there's tons of great surf content out there for you to to consume. I mean, and when you look at these four events, and look, 
we're nitpicking. I get it. That's what we do on this podcast. When I look at these four events, I say to myself, I hope Margaret River is eight to 12 feet and that they get one day at the box. Um, You're not. You're entirely right. This thing could be just lame. Like I'm not, I'm not necessarily like, the one thing I noticed is that there's, there, there was no dates on the exact dates for the Newcastle for these events, at least in the little bulleted thing I saw. Like, I, I wasn't going, oh, why didn't they give me the dates for Newcastle? I was like, okay, whatever. Call me when it's the finals and it's eight foot and good. You know, like, I don't know. You're, you're entirely right. I was trying to take, I like to always try to take the opposite position. So we have something to discuss, but you're entirely right. I honestly, it's not that thrilling. It, I mean, and I'll be interested Rotten when S- it's running, but it's not that thrilling. Yeah. yeah. It's, not what the WSL, it's not what yeah, the WSL Rot- is designed to do. Rottenest is interesting because it's new. Margaret's cool because we're hoping that, you know, it's North Point and the box. Um, That's it. Narabeen's a total wild card. And Narabeen could be really good one day in the morning when it's offshore for like three hours. There could be some peeling left barrels. Yeah. Newcastle, I don't know, man. Newcastle is a QS event. I'm sorry. But again, it's COVID. I get it. We're trying to. We're trying to cram these events in. We're trying to get a world title. But I think your your original point is right. If you could take a break again this year, rethink or retool, and then just run the 2022 season in world-class waves, like G-Land, like Sunset, stuff that was actually on the schedule this year, then that would be ideal. Because you're right. As an entity and what they're trying to do, which is have the best surfers surfing in the best waves in the world, this doesn't really satisfy any of that. These aren't the best waves in the world. And if not all the surfers can make it there, then neither objective is satisfied. It's a half-assed version. Let me read another take from somebody that's that's a pretty good take, I think. I mean, it's a hot take, let's put it that way. He said, dude, Scott, can somebody please tell old David Lee Scales that it's February, February. I really can't understand how someone as smart as Davey can't understand that there's 12 months in a year. He continues to be super pessimistic about the 2021 season not happening or how there will be an asterisk by the winner of this season's title. I just don't get it. They are going to have three or four events in Oz. They got pipe done. They still have the second half of the year as restrictions continue to lighten up everywhere, 2021 is on, son. And even though we've heard Davy Boy say a dozen times how much he didn't care about not having pro surfing or realizing he didn't need it or didn't miss it, fuck that. I think I speak for at least a handle of your guys' listeners when I say I have been dying without my one and only sport that I follow. 2021 baby maybe dave should circle back to wine reviews ha 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 love you guys thanks for all the great content daniel so thanks daniel 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 chiming in (laughs) in reference to last week's show which is sort of complete opposite of our takes this week which i don't know well daniel uh i'll 
I, I don't know if I should take your apology, Daniel's apology right now, considering that Pat O'Connell just walked out alongside <laughs> my entire, everything that I've been ranting, Pato just said, uh, yeah, you've been, you've predicted exactly what is going to happen. And here is the indicator and he left. Or if I should just wait till the end of the year for where, how, when Daniel sees this all play out exactly as I've been talking about, and then he can apologize then. Either way, uh, I'll be waiting. Holy crap. Daniel's bringing it. That's a pretty hot take, I got to say. But anyway, here are our options, right? We go through with, with these four events and we crown a title at the end of the Australian leg. We go through with these four events and we somehow figure out maybe one more event in really good wave somewhere. Um, the Mentawise comes to mind, although Indonesia's COVID situation is very spotty. Certainly, I doubt that the Orange, Orange County or let me backtrack, not Orange County. I think Orange County, California would let them do the event at lowers, but I think the state of California, um, but you know what? Things do change quickly as Daniel yeah, mentioned, and especially the political winds of this COVID situation. And so realistically in six months, it's September. And guess what? I could see an event at Trestles. Like we're all vaccinated or, or eight tenths of us are vaccinated. For, for lack of a better way to put it, it's over. We're all walking around, going to the store, masking up, not masking up. I, I mean, I don't know, man. Um, so as it, it relates, I, so we're starting to see events come back online, right? And actually right now, that Interstyle show, industry, um, action sports kind of industry, surfboard and snow show in Japan is taking place as you and I are recording this right now. So I was surprised to see that. It's an actual trade show that they're running in Japan. So if okay, hold on. indicator. Hold on. Yeah. Why do you think they're running Interstyle? I don't know, but what else is happening in Japan? What else are they feeling a lot of pressure about making sure that they pull off this year in Japan? The Olympics. Right. So my, my pessimistic side of this is they're like, hey, let's show the world we're back. And let's run this trade show. Let's, let's turn everything on and see how it goes down and show the world that we're, we're viable, that we've got this thing under control. And then they'll all flock to the Olympics and we'll all be good. Now, well, hopefully that happens. Hopefully that happens. But this could also be like, uh-oh, a bunch of new COVID yeah. nightmares popped up and the whole thing's awash and the Olympics are out. So the fact that Interstyle is happening right now, I don't see that as hey, we're back online. I see that as, hey, let's use them as a guinea pig. Whether it's one or the other, only time will tell. We won't know without hindsight, but it's an indicator that things are starting to come back online. You know, And I know, yeah. and you've obviously scheduled the boardroom show for October. And I've, I know somebody else who works in the trade show industry um, and events that got canceled in 2020 they're feeling confident about running towards the fall of 2021 because of markers, you know, that are being hit from public yeah, health, yeah. from a public yeah. health standpoint. So you're right. I mean, yeah. by September at Trestles, is that a possibility? It's a possibility. Of course, we yeah. won't know until then. Let me ask you this. Let's just throw some other fun stuff at you. 
they run these four events. They're just kind of haphazard and they're okay. And they're whatever. And they're not great. They're not good. They're not bad. Um, but they are able to pull off really pretty solid, you know, four to six foot clean, super good rippable lowers and crown a champion. Do we have a successful season in your eyes? No, you're talking about one event at pipe, four events in Australia, one at lowers. Yes. No. And the lowers is good. Pipe is good. The four in between are just kind of, you know, neither good nor bad. And what's, event. what's the question? Question is, do you feel like it's a success from an end user standpoint? Are you happy that we got to crown a, a champion at lowers? No. And here, this is directed back at Daniel, like, just because I'd like to reiterate my position because I'm not sure that Daniel fully understood it. <laughs> my, my expectation, like what we know that they are capable of doing, running at Cloudbreak, running at GLAN, running at Sunset, that's really what I'm looking for. So everything that I say, you have to run through that filter of, hey guys, we should have not 32, we should have 12 or 16 of the best surfers in the world running full stop in like full out in a one swell window. So three days at the, the best waves around the world. And it should be just a heavyweight boxing match, you know, and everything short of that, I will be critical of, and I'll point towards that direction. So what you just said no, it's not that. And I'm not, it's not a successful year. And you can give me a bunch of other questions. Am I happy that they ran some version of events this year? Well, yeah, okay, I guess so. And if it's that or watching Netflix, I guess I'll watch some surfing. Or, yeah. But it's not as good as it could be. And it's also not as well. Nobody at uh, the WSL has pivoted as strongly and pointedly as the UFC has as formula one has, you know, where they were able to take these opportunities seize to make an actual better product and cater to a brand new audience that, that they didn't have pre COVID. Let me ask you this. Do you think that perhaps just, you know, again, not knowing what the situation is, but Pat O'Connell was like, you know what, you guys, this, we're just like plugging holes in the dike and yes. this thing's just going to overtake us. Why don't we cancel the tour this year? We got plenty of money and let's do it right. What the world expects from the WSL, which is the world's best surfers in the world's best waves and crowning a world champion in that situation. And they said, well, no, what about Newcastle? Pat, I need you to contact Narabeen. Exactly. Um, what about Rottnest? Well, and Pat's just like, I'm out. I'm yes. out. There's just, too, I'm getting too much stress from the surfers who don't understand what's going on. No one really understands. This. It's way too, I understand fluid. But this is like, uh, you know, olive oil. So we've talked about this, which is, yeah, it's great that they get Pato and Devin in there because um, they can kind of, I don't know, leverage or build off their street cred, quote unquote, and justify some of the decisions that they're making. But how long until guys like that recognize that they're just being used for their street cred and that they're not actually being able to enact some of the things that they want to enact and how long until their street cred actually gets diminished by being associated with the brand. That's the question. Guess, guess who, guess who, you know, guess who's in Pat's ear, right? Like obviously Bob Hurley, 
but probably more importantly, John John and John John's crew, right? John John's people, John John's manager, right? And and John John's probably got questions. He's like, Pat, what's going on with the tour? What's up? What, you know? And again, I'm just assuming all this, you guys. I don't know this to be the case, but I'm just like thinking it through. And, and at some point, John John Florence is like, look, Pat, this, you know, I don't need to, I can, the problem is, is that you guys don't know. And it's causing me to not be able to set my, the rest of my year up, you know? So either come at me with some solids or I'm kind of out, you know, or tell them that we need to just scrape it for this year so we can all do our own thing in 2021 and come back strong with a fresh new outlook on the tour. You know, like those and are the types of people that are in Pat's ear. Like, and I'm sure Pat was going, Hey, you guys, this is problematic. Like it's okay to be fluid, but this is too fluid. Like this is crazy. Well, not only is it, it is those things, but then the answer that Pat has to deliver to John, John is, Oh yeah, you're going to Narrabeen and Newcastle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? And it's like, John's like going, dude, like I have world titles that I want to attach my name to and surfing three foot beach break. Isn't the way that I trained isn't what I pride uh, myself to do. What are you laughing at? Pat's like, hey, Pat's like, hey, John, John, I was doing some research and you actually have a really good track record at Newcastle. You're going to be stoked. <laughs> um, oh, Lordy. Well, well, God bless them. I, I know they're working hard. That's the one thing is that I don't envy the position that, that Jesse's in, that Eric's in, that any of the people at the WSL. At the end of the day, we want them to succeed. We know it's difficult. And then we know they have a lot of, stress and pressures on them and the last thing they need is us kind of poo-pooing them but this is what we do is we talk about this stuff because we're passionate about it and so we're going to talk about it so i think that there's a couple of examples here of people who have really seized the opportunity and um are going to try to you know grow from it and i think rip curl is one of those like rip curl saw this as an opportunity wsl has a lot of their events not sponsored even pre-covid and rip curl probably got it for pennies on the dollar like hey you guys this is a very last minute thing nobody else is going to step up we lost bells but you know what we'll give you a portion of that money and we'll take th four events so you know what was interesting to me about that was you know who had a quote in that whole thing was Claw, Doug Warbrick, right? The the guy who started it all. But they sold the whole thing. And so now Claw's got his hands back in it. You know, he's like, they probably brought him in as a consultant. They're like, Claw, we need you to, you're our surf guy. We need you to say something wise here. You know, and there's a there's a quote in the in the press release from from Claw Warbrick, who if you don't know, he's like, you know, the main mover and shaker in Turkey. And but you know, I know that I know they sold. Shit I know Rip Curl obviously sold the Kathmandu, but is Claw still involved? He could still be I'm, there. Well, even obviously, if they sold. obviously he is. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. That's my point. Is that uh, I, you know, I thought he went off to like go lawn bowling or something, but no. But in this he, year, he's, in this year, they have seized multiple opportunities, like uh, putting together the postcard from Morg's video, where it's the search. It's base. It's a send up on the search but it's all locally done and it's introducing their new team rider and incorporating Mick fan. Like it was genius. It was really well that's, done. Uh, it was hilarious. That's what that, that's Neil Ridgeway. Neil Ridgeway is the guy that makes all, he's a smart guy, man. He knows how to market that company. Well, so they took advantage of that. You know, anybody else, so many other marketing people would have been like, 
the search is based on travel. There's no way to kind of continue a search film in the year of no travel. And they did a killer job of it. And then simultaneously, Tom Kern is locked down in Mexico. They get a bunch of footage from that. That becomes free scrubber and they crush it again. Now this opportunity of contests coming back online, here they are, they step up to the plate and they've got, it's like, we know that hard goods are thriving in 2020 and 2021. They're gonna be the one example of soft goods that has grown through all of this. And maybe not well, immediately I, with sales, but certainly in terms of influence. I would suggest to you that, that wetsuits are hard goods. And, it's, and, and, and in fact, I think board shorts are kind of hard goods. Like when you think about, it's like stuff that you must have to, to participate in the sport. I guarantee if you look at their categories, I'm not clo doubting clo that. Clothing I'm saying, is 90% of their business, you know? Oh, more than more yeah, than okay. wetsuits or board shorts. Hmm. I'd, 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 that interests me. I'd be surprised. But maybe. well, they're selling they're selling clothing all over the world. They're only selling wetsuits and board shorts to the coastlines. Yeah, but how much rip curl clothes? When was the last time you saw anyone in a rip curl anything, other than a wetsuit? I don't know. During a Mason Ho edit or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, you don't go to the South Coast Plaza and see people romping around, see young girls romping around in rip curls. Later. But maybe I'm wrong. Who knows? I don't look for this stuff. Maybe they're killing it. And Soft goods, I have no idea. So John John, instead of traveling around the world, he's getting absolutely shacked out of his mind at Pipeline. Pipeline, Valentine's Day and yesterday, Monday, was yeah. as good as it ever gets. Absolutely firing. Have you been watching any of this? I, I had it on the big screen in my living room. You know what I mean? Like I was just watching it. And I was do, going about my day doing my things um, while it was playing. You know, it was it was mind blowing. What'd you see? I just saw guys getting shacked out of their, you know, it was incredible. It was just two incredible days of surfing, especially Valentine's Day. So among the highlights, Michael Ho's backdoor barrel at the age of 63. Oh my gosh. I mean, that is mind blowing stuff. If you just think of your vision of a 63 year old man, and then you watch, and then you watch that wave gurgling over the reef. You're like, these things are incongruous. There's no way that these things go together. So to see Michael Ho getting, I mean, one of the best waves probably in, that he's gotten in decades at the age of 63 is mind blowing. John John Florence got the one, I would say, like John John's wave, so deep, so critical, so long. Um, it's a 10 point ride by anybody's measure that went down. I think Valentine's day, it could have been yesterday. Mark Healy's on Valentine's day at pipe. Did you see Mark Healy's wave? I'm, I'm looking at it right now. I mean, I I've seen some incredible rides. Um, it's, Mark, it was just mind blowing. So Mark Healy, wonderful to see every year. There's a couple of them guys on giant boards stroking in. Um, and, just kind of lining up, you know, a perfect classic uh, pipeline wave. Like, whereas John John's is pushing the boundaries of what we've seen because it's deeper and it's more critical. And it's like, what it's amazing just to see a classic pipe ride for Mark Healy to kind of take the same line that Jerry Lopez would have taken and just stand there and get shacked is really awesome to see. And, you know, we don't see Mark Healy as often as we used to. So rad to see that. Um, Mikey Red O'Shaughnessy went over the falls at back door and hit his yeah. head on the reef. He got KO'd 
and then got a two wave hold down while presumably unconscious. He was wearing a helmet, thankfully, but the helmet actually got split on both sides, kind of right at the temple on either side. Billy Kemper said, quote, uh, he probably wouldn't be breathing right now if he didn't have that thing on. I mean, it doesn't take a genius to realize if the helmet absorbed that amount of kind of uh, impact and cracked, that it could also do that to a human skull. So thankfully, Mikey was uh, wearing that. He was actually rescued by um, Leonardo Fioravanti. Let me see who else was it? Max Beach, Max Beach. Yeah. and Billy Kemper. They actually kept Mikey afloat. And then Dave Wassel, who of course is a lifeguard there, swung in on the ski and rescued uh, Mikey. He was taken to the hospital following the incident. He's currently out of ICU and off the ventilator, but he's still on the watch for kind of secondary conditions that can pop up, but it appears that he will make a full recovery. So shout out to that crew for rescuing him. And he's a phenomenal surfer. I mean, he got the wave of the winter in 2016, so he's fully capable, but that's what happens at pipe. I mean, even the most qualified people can, you know, be found in that kind of a situation. Oh yeah. People die there. It's, it's the real deal. It's a very serious situation. Yeah. So I'm glad he's doing well. Crazy couple of days at Pipe and perfect, by the way, not just big and harrowing, but perfect. Did you watch the season finale of Stab in the Dark? I absolutely did. Did you like it? It was awesome. I did like, I liked it a lot. Um, Sharp Eye, C.I., Pukas, Luke Short, those are the finalists. Um, Really, the one takeaway for me was... um, I guess besides the LSD board, the other three boards, any of them, any of those other three could have won. I actually I thought he surfed on, I thought he surfed on the CI, you know, as good or better than any of the other boards, but it were like really nitpicking here. I mean, he, he looked incredible on Axel Lorenz's board. He looked incredible on the sharp eye. I mean, it was, if anything, the CI felt like it had just a touch more foam. So it was more comfortable under his feet. Uh, there weren't, as many maybe skittish moments, I guess. But again, total nitpicking here. All four boards looked looked you know incredible, and Taj did a great job. I, I really he enjoyed his commentary. He he just comes off as um, as if they just rolled up and knocked on his door and said, "Hey, do you mind if we have a beer and a chat?" And he just goes, "Sure, come on in." And they just sat down, and there's no like pretentiousness or. Um, it's just all very authentic with Taj. I was very pleased with the way he, you know, he was just himself, right? Which is what you want. Totally agree. Taj is smart. He's articulate. He's very funny. And yes, he seems very comfortable in his own skin. And I think he's been in front of the camera for his entire life. So that probably lends to being comfortable. But uh, I agree with everything that you just said. Uh, about the boards, though, one thing that he kept referencing was that a couple of them felt better and better every time that he rode them. I think that's an important detail to drive home to the listener and to anybody who's um, got more than a few boards in their quiver. I, I just did this, I'm gonna be publishing it tomorrow, like a real thorough kind of review of the album Twinsman that I've been writing for a couple of months. And it's a relationship. Like, and my relationship with that board changed in different, certainly in different conditions. 
And then after I talked to Matt Parker, it changed again because I was feeling certain things and I'd explain it to Matt. And then Matt said, oh, well, that was actually designed to do this. It's funny that you're feeling it that way because it was designed to do this instead. And then I thought about that, looked at it visually, went out and just knowing that information, having that context helped me appreciate the board more and actually surf it the way that it was supposed to be surfed. And so that resonated with me when Taj was talking about that, him saying the sharp eye actually came from behind. The CI, I think he said, and the Pukas even, felt great from the moment I got on it. But the sharp eye, I wasn't so sure about. And the more that I wrote it, then I realized the way, what it should have been doing. And it actually came from behind to win the event. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. You and I have touched on this in the past where, you know, we've ridden boards, we put them away for a few months and then picked them back up and, and gave them another go. And um, for whatever reason, they felt different. You know, they felt better. They felt more lively. Maybe it's because there wasn't a wetsuit involved or maybe who knows, you know. Um, but I, I do think that that's the case, that certainly the first couple of surfs, you can, you can absolutely go, yeah, I love this board right away. But there are many times when you go, oh, I'm not sure about this one. I need to give it another try. And then you adapt to it and you end up liking that board a little bit more perhaps than the initial board. So that's certainly a part of the equation when you're surfing, you know, different boards. That's, I, and, and, it, and it is, it is, as you mentioned, it's sort of enlightening and it's, um, I guess you could say it's fun. You know, it's fun to be able to have a relationship with a board and, and, and have it, um, have the relationship come out in a solid way, you know? He talked about the LSD being not very pleasing to the eye, but it felt fun to ride. And he, he stated that a couple of times, like the board just looks wrong to me, but then he got on it and it ended up making the final. Have you ever confronted that situation? Yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've mentioned you and I've talked about numerous times that, um, some of the best boards I have are the ugliest boards I've ever seen. And they're boards that I was like, nah, I'm good. In fact, the one board, the golden nugget that I rode exclusively for probably four or five years until it wouldn't ride anymore. Initially, Sean Madison gave me that board. He's like, I want you to try this Henson Twinser. And it was ugly, man. I was like, nah, I mean, it was like this kind of like, you know, flat puke orange color. And it was not, you know, it was, it was, it was just, it wasn't sexy under your arm at all. But my first couple waves on it were like, wow, you know, like this thing's incredible. And um, so, yeah, you know, there's boards that just simply your, your eyes, your eye tells you one thing and then the actual surfing tells you the other. And I will say that the opposite is also true. I've had some very sexy, tri fins that I just could not surf, you know, for whatever reason, there just wasn't enough foam or, you know, you know, whatever, you know, whatever the case may be, they look really good. You know, you take pictures of them and put them in your truck and take photos of them and put them on Instagram and they look sick, but um, they don't end up working too good. And so what, so let me ask you this yeah. then you have an expectation visually and then a different kind of um, sensation once you ride, with all your years of experience, what are you looking for? What's the best indicator prior to riding the board, whether or not it'll it'll actually perform? Well, for me, the, the big thing is how thick is the rail? You know, like, so I will go to the thickest part of the board and put my hand on it. And I know two and five eighths, you know, that's my number. 
two and five eighths and I know it and I can put my hand on it. And even if they've pinched the rail, I can go to the middle of the blank and tell if this board's got enough foam for me. And once I can acknowledge that, then I like to see how the foil, how it tapers down to the tail. I generally like very thin, thin tails. And that's because I generally ride boards with wide tails. So I want the tail to be thin so it stays engaged in the turn throughout so it doesn't pop out on me. Because I got these little chicken legs, man. I need the, the tail to stay involved. And so those are the two things that, you know, like the, the, if those pass the eye test, then I'm pretty good about it. So I know my two and five eighths and then I like a nice foiled thinned out tail. And that's sort of generally speaking, you know. What's your uh, favorite way to view the tail when you're looking for that? Is it, are you holding it under your arm? Or are you looking at it like from the tail down to the nose? Uh, sort of ideally if the board's on a, on a horizontal rack, you know, I can yeah. kind of tip it up. I can kind of tip it up and look at the foil in that way, you know? Yeah. Um, that's usually the best way for me to do it or have it down on the ground and looking down on it. You know, you can see how the board's foiled out. Yep. How the rail's foiled out. Yeah. The under the arm test is my tried and true. You know, like yeah. there's something just about holding it under your arm and how the weight kind of is distributed front to back and that sort of thing that almost like you, you do have to use your eyes. You do have to use a visual component, but almost just feeling the weight of it and the way that it, I don't know, is distributed is kind of an indicator for me. And I'm, and I'm not that I'm looking for a specific thing, but it's just either a yes or a no. It's kind of like, oh yeah, yeah, this feels right. Or no, it doesn't. But I've also had boards that I feel aren't yeah. going to work that do work, you know? Oh, I, I thought you were going to say, because to me, the under the arm test is, is how I get boards that aren't going to work for me, but feel really good under my arm. Like, God, yeah. this thing, well, no wonder it's only, you know, 18 and three quarters inches wide. It right. feels really, really good under my arm. Right. So I'm a little bit wary of that. Um, so one of the things that he said that he loved, Taj said that he loved about the sharp eye is that it stuck to his feet the whole time. And in this kind of twinsman review and conversation with Matt Parker, he there's actually a concave in the deck of the twinsman. And I was kind of complaining about it because I felt like it nullified some of the sensitivity of just like leaning into your toes or your heels. And yes. he goes, and he's like, no, actually I've designed that to kind of stick to your feet more. And he gave me a bunch of examples of Josh's, Josh Kerr's feedback and Asher Pacey's feedback of how that works. Have you ever ridden a concave deck board? Yeah, I have one now. And I, I, there are times when I absolutely love it. And there are times when I feel like it's, it's hindering me a little bit. I will say this about a concave deck. Um, I think that, that they have to be very, very subtle. If you have anything, if you can see the concave, if it's too obvious, I think we have an issue. It's gotta be so subtle that you're like, oh, this is a flat deck, I think. And then you're like, no, it's actually kind of, you know, cause there is something to be said for tipping the board over on rail and, or, and actually not being able to tip it over on rail because your feet are below the rail line. Right. So I, you know, I, I'm actually a fan of the one I have, but if I got another one, I would ask for just slightly less concave in the deck. And, and, um, and this is a board that's a, a really good, Javier made it for me, um, uh, XTR board. And it's, it's a good, it's a really solid board, but there are a few moments where I was like, oh man, it, it didn't have the concave. I might've been able to set the inside rail quicker inside the little 
moment, the little pocket moment. You know, I've had some moments with the concave deck where I do a bottom turn, I go up to set that inside rail and it doesn't do that inside exactly. rail set as quickly as I'd like. And I notice, and we're talking about less than half a second, but it's the difference between getting bogged down in the tube or driving through the thing. And um, so, I'm, so I'm a little wary of them. You just ex uh, explained the exact scenario that I used to illustrate that as well, which was, it was a hollow day and not a big hollow day. That's the other problem. If the waves are big enough, then you, you yes. kind of have enough wave face to make that adjustment. But the waves were, let's say, shoulder high and A-framed and you had to knife in. And so yeah. on that board, I got up trying to knife in and I just found myself like leaning my weight forward in face planning because the board wouldn't take that little subtle toe tapping uh, weight transition. It would kind of track towards the beach because it wanted me to kind of do the bottom turn like a normal arc off the bottom. And so I viewed it as a limitation, but then hearing Matt explain how it wants to be ridden, or maybe if it was like a inch or two smaller, how you could utilize that by sticking it, making it stick to your feet, then made sense to me as well. But I'd never, I don't think I've ever ridden a concave deck. I've ridden flat decks, but I don't think I've ever ridden a concave deck. And this one is so subtle that I actually didn't notice it visually until I started feeling that sensation in the water. Then I had to go back and look at the board and go, oh yeah, there's a little bit of a concave there. Yeah, I mean, it feels good when, when you know, the, the concave that your, your feet are so low to the center point of the board. It, it does, it's a good feeling. You can see why you would want to experiment with it, but they're, like I say, I think super subtle is the way to go there. Yeah. Well, uh, the sharp eye stuck to Taj's feet the whole time was his quote. And spoiler alert, but sharp eye took the big win. And um, congratulations to sharp eye. How good was Marcio? Congra <laughs> yeah, congratulations to Mar Yeah, Marcio is the guy I want to say congrats to. I'm stoked for Marcio. He's a great guy. And um, did you see his reaction very... when he got the award? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was like, what? What? <laughs> It was so subtle. He's just like, oh, cool. Thanks. This is a That's kind of how he is. He's a very even keeled guy. He, he's pretty, he's pretty much, you know, yeah, he's a flatliner. Yeah. Um, so congratulations to them. Congratulations to Stab. I thought the, the whole series was phenomenal. I loved having it be episodic rather than one big, you Me know, too. release. Something for you and I to talk about every week, something to look forward to. I feel like I could digest more of the information just in short bits. So I think it was a great success for Stab. All right, let me ask you this. How cool would it be if, you know, somebody like, you know, who's a, somebody that is an up and coming shaper from like New Jersey, you know, that, yeah, my, it's, it's, yeah, John, John Apita would be a great example, right? What's the name of his label Rosburn. again? Yeah, Rosburn, which is the street he's lived on his whole life, Rosburn Surfboards. If somebody like him won it, I mean, it's great for Sharp Eye, but I don't think it's going to move the needle too much for Marcio. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, you know, it's very cool, right? I know he's stoked he won it. There's no doubt about that. But I just think it would be cool if Rosburn won it or, or just any number. There are so many, you know, solid shapers out there. Who's, you know, who's another guy is um, like the guy who shapes for Taylor Knox. Um, what's that guy's name? Yeah, Borst. 
like somebody like that, somebody that's been at it for 20 years that never gets a shot at these things, you know? Yeah. There's a bunch of, like, I was stoked that they had Jason Bennett from chemistry in there. Like that's kind of the right idea. Like, you know, but I don't know. I, I'd like to see less shapers and, and more of a mix of not just all the hottest guys, you know, cause yeah. Okay. We get it. They make great boards, but there's other people too. Yeah, I agree. Um, another big success I think from stab this week was this kind of a multi-part feature with Dane Reynolds and Andrew Doheny. Did you read or watch any of this? Yeah, I watched, I watched the whole thing. What was it called? Um, short circuit, short circuit. And then Andrew Doheny's band is Royal dog shit or something like that. <laughs> it is. So ultimately this was a, ended up being a series of pieces, but it was all uh, based on a film that Dane Reynolds made for his chapter 11 website uh, that featured Andrew Doheny, who is now one of the former team writers, former the clothing brand, Dane Reynolds clothing brand. He's now a team writer for that. And they just released, it's a 14 minute short surf film. Andrew Doheny, he's a local guy from where I live who I've watched since he was 10 years old. And I really love his surfing style, really explosive um, and just unique, explosive and unique. Not a lot of other guys that surf like Droid. And he had a couple of rough years and got uh, struggled with addiction, abuse, drug abuse, had a schizophrenic episode where he ended up in a hospital for 10 days. And Dane Reynolds was with communicate uh, in communication with Droid through a lot of these last few years, and that really is the subject matter of this film release, Short Circuit. And so Taylor Paul at Stab, who's now responsible for a lot of the editorial there, he um, pinned down Dane and asked Dane about his relationship with Andrew, and then he did a follow up piece with Andrew asking about what he's been going through. And I'll be honest, I was wrapped. These articles wrapped my attention. Uh, hearing Dane talking about the relationship as it developed, Andrew falling off the wagon, and how former is positioned to either help or not help surfers through sponsorship, what it's doing, what uh, he's doing with Chapter 11 by showcasing surfing um, in kind of this new media landscape, and how all of those things are informed by Dane and the celebrity that he experienced growing up, which by the way, Andrew grew up with as well. And kind of how that is informed their relationship together. I found it all to be very, very riveting. I wanted to congratulate Taylor Paul for kind of revitalizing this editorial, quality editorial written pieces that were previously reserved for magazines only. I think he's brought back under this new, uh, subscription model that stab is implementing i really enjoyed all the pieces and the video piece you know the most being able to see kind of raw surfing uh surf film was i think spectacular so kudos to that whole crew yeah i have that down as um something that we were to speak about and i i just um you know i i, I echo what you said you know it was cool i i dug it um, I think Andrew Doheny is um, on the right track and this seems to be a good thing. And 
And uh, I think Dane deserves a lot of credit for, you know, doing his part in helping Andrew sort of get on the right track. And, and, it, and, you know, you could plug and play a bunch of different people in Andrew Doheny's situation. He's certainly not the first, won't be the last. Um, he seems uber talented and sort of, um, you know, like he's finally got uh, maybe a clearer understanding of where he's headed. And so that's, that's a good thing. I'm stoked for the guy. I've always liked Andrew surfing and I've never loved his affect. I've never loved his uh, persona. And this whole thing made me appreciate him more. It offered a bit of humanity uh, to him. And I just was more sympathetic towards him as a human being, you know? And so that's what I enjoyed about it. And I still loved his surfing. I think his surfing better than ever, actually. The footage in this video um, is the best surfing that I've ever seen him do. He's bigger, he's kind of more powerful. It's more refined even. So those are among the things I loved about it. He started shaping surfboards in recent years. And I've always felt in the, in the past couple of years when I've seen him riding them, I felt like his own shapes were actually inhibiting his surfing. They weren't allowing him to surf as good as he could. He'd bog, you know, cut turns short, stuff like that. But I think his boards have gotten better too. So that kind of enabled a lot of his surfing. I just think he's hitting a hitting his real stride right now. So hopefully we can see a lot more of him. And again, Dane Reynolds, like I feel like Dane's hitting a new chapter in his career, no pun intended, um, where he's shining the light on other people. Marine layer was all about Dane. Everything was all about Dane. He was in the limelight. So whether or not that was, um, you know, I don't know, narcissistic or whatever is neither here nor there. He's now at a phase in his life where he is intentionally shining the limelight on Aton Osborne, uh, Mickey Clark, and now droid. And so I think it's awesome. I, I really like what he's doing. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, it's interesting, right? Dane now has the ability to, I mean, he's got tons of eyeballs and he has the ability to be an arbiter of, of what it is that our culture perceives as relevant. And, um, that's a lot of power. And, um, and I bet that Dane does something much bigger with it than, I mean, I don't know. It seems like how many young surfers can you just go, Hey guys, everyone see, look at this kid. He rips now. And then three years later, here's this kid. He rips now, you know, and he's a good kid. They're all good kids and they all rip. That's going to get boring. You know, like to me, the fascinating thing about the droid story, and I don't think it's even close to over is you know, where's, where's this going to end up? You know what I mean? And, and I think that's, that's as a storyteller, we've got conflict and we need some resolution. And, and I think that perhaps, and I just sense that how creative Dane is and how creative Dane's wife is that they might take this to a whole bigger and deeper level as far as storytelling. And it's not going to just be, hey, here's the kid down the block that rips. Let me show him to you. 
um, it's going to be maybe something completely outside of surfing, in fact, you know? And um, well, they produce the album, you know, they produce Droid's album. So, as a former, as a clothing brand, that's a pivot for them to get into music production. So, you're right. I think, look, Arbiters, whether they were magazines in the past or Taylor Steele or whomever, um, they can only show you who the talent is. And then the talent has to decide what they want to do with their career. And there's a million talented surfers. You've said over and over again, there's a million like CT quality surfers. There's 300 of them on the QS and we don't have room for all of them. So it's however they want to position themselves and how they, what they want to do with their career. And so Droid has the opportunity now. Everybody's watching. I mean, everybody was watching from the time he was seven anyways. But if he wants to make music, he's got an audience that wants to listen to it right now. You know, he just has to keep surfing and keep making music. So the world's his oyster. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to listening to some of this album. I actually watched this about 20 minutes before we came on the air, the chapter 11 thing. And the thing that's but, so cool is the little claymation thing that they did at the beginning. <laughs> I really dug the claymation thing. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that is a, obviously that figure is droid and he's smashing his brain against a wall, you know? Yeah. And so that was Dane's uh, creative take on it. But um, so what was, oh, the other, I was going to say about former as a brand that's another example of somebody who is seizing an opportunity where through COVID, a bunch of um, very talented doers in the surf space, people who know how to get things done, have been let go of their jobs. And Former was able to swoop up a couple of those people. They have a new CEO and Dane, and who's actually more qualified at running a brand than Dane or Craig Anderson are. So Dane and Craig and Austin uh, were wise enough to partner with those people to help take the brand to the next level. And we'll start to see former, I think, go from just a small garage brand into something that has mainstream distribution, fulfills orders in a timely fashion and all that sort of stuff, you know, has a newsletter or whatever. Um, and so good on them. Yeah, Good on them for yeah, swooping up is, talent. Absolutely. That's a smart move. You know, Dane doesn't want to be the accountant at Former. He needs to be the creative, the creative guy. You know, or one of the creative guys. Exactly. And um, you know, I'm sure he was getting bogged down in you know like FedEx shipping and crap like that. They need to get that stuff under um, wraps, and it sounds like they did. And this is where he belongs. You know, where he can he can basically go, okay, you guys, here's what I'm thinking we should do. You know, and and dumping it off on a, you know, bouncing it around with some guys that that can actually uh implement the plan in an effective way fully so i'm pretty i think it's going to be good i i agree with you i could see former actually being a success story here at the end of 2021 and the end of 2022 i agree glad to see it well scott you got musty moments dukes kooks what do you got yeah i do actually um i had this there's this video of um Sierra Kerr that's out there. I think I saw it on tra the Tracks website. It was shot during 2020. It's kind of some old footage. We've seen some of it on Instagram, but they did a whole edit of Sierra Kerr and she's absolutely ripping. Looks like she's put down the golf clubs <laughs> and the skateboard 
and she's she's going to be a pro surfer but who knows but she's for 13 years old she's killing it and it was one of those clips where uh you're like god i need to go to the mental eyes yeah because she's getting barreled on double overhead waves it's crazy yeah pretty cool and she's stomping airs so this was she obviously signed a new deal with volcom in the last couple of months and this was kind of a release video for volcom i mean she is the best 13 year old surfer i've seen period yeah i mean i mean can you remember another maybe jackson dorian was better is better (laughs) but i mean arguably she's the best 13 year old surfer i've ever seen come in it's crazy how good she is yeah, she's she's pretty incredible. I mean, there have been some really incredible hot young surfers. I mean, when Kelly Slater was thirteen, I know he wasn't. You know, it's it's apples and oranges. But Gabe Gabe Medina look, was pretty insane at thirteen. John John well, was David, insane. David Eggers was David Eggers was just mind blowing when he was like eleven or twelve. <laughs> like he was he was like below juniors and he was winning open men's NSSAs. Like he was beating the eighteen year olds and shit. Crazy. Um, you know what I do want to talk about real quick is the Surf Aid Clean Water Challenge. This has to do with Josh Kerr, believe it or not. Surf Aid Clean Water Challenge. As you know, I'm on the board at Surf Aid, and we're having a thing. Uh, 30 waves, David, in 30 days. We're asking you to catch 30 waves in 30 days. Registration opens February 18th. February 18th. And the idea is um, we are trying to help the billions of people, mostly in rural, rural areas that are lacking the basic surface service of accessing clean, safe water. So what you do is you, um, SurfAid is changing these odds and we need your help. Sign up for the 2021 Clean Water Challenge that commences on World Water Day, March 22nd. You catch 30 waves in 30 days Sign up, invite your friends, you build a team. David, you and I would have our own team. We would fundraise together. It's free to do this, but there's a fundraising goal for the Clean Water Challenge of $500 a team. So if you can just raise $500, uh, you get a chance to win new Firewire surfboards and other exciting items. So it's the Surfing Clean Water Challenge. It kicks off March 22nd. You can begin signing up right now. Um, and it's going to be judged. Your 30 waves are going to be judged by Damian Hobgood, Josh Kerr, Rob Machado, Sean Dollar, Tyler Fox, and Wingnut. Epic. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I did a very good job of explaining this, but, um, it's a good cause. Yeah. Um, yeah. Here's where you go to sign up. Surfaid.com. Go to surfaid.com and sign up with your friends to be a part of the clean water challenge. Yes. Okay. Sounds good. Um, so I've got a must see moment, a Duke and a kook. Okay. Lay them on. The must see moment. It's gotta be John, John at backdoor yesterday. Um, I could give it to Michael Hole, Michael Ho, maybe the, the droid video is sick, but I'm going John John at backdoor just because what more do you really want, right? It's one clip. It's so sick. It's backdoor pipe and it's John John. That sums it up <laughs> for me. Um, my Duke, I'm actually unconventional. I'm going to throw Taylor Paul. 
former editor of Surfing Magazine, for bringing back quality editorial to um, digital media outlets and surfing. I really have enjoyed the work that he's doing on Stab. I feel like, and and he's not always writing it, by the way. Like the Jed Smith piece last week was really good. Vaughn Blakey's done a couple of things on there that have been really good. And I really feel like they're elevating um, long form surf riding right now. So shout out to well, that's Taylor why, Paul. That's why we signed up for the Stab Premium is to get stuff that taylor paul and those others you mentioned um putting out quality content and so yeah and i'm saying taylor paul Good for that him. but it could be stab at large because the stab in the dark piece i really enjoyed as well so yeah i've got a kook for you as well scott okay okay are you familiar with the um controversy surrounding this wsl's 30 for 30 or 30 by 30 initiative no Okay, so this is all centered around this piece of legislation that is facing, uh, I don't know, that the, that is up for review with the U.S. government, Congress. It's called AB 30 for 30 initiative, and the WSL is getting behind it and encouraging us, their fans, to go sign this piece of legislation under the guise of they want... We want our oceans to be 30% cleaner by 2030. That's what 30 by 30 is. But apparently, Scott, things aren't all that they seem to be. There seems to be big money from overseas that's pushing this initiative. And ultimately, what it's saying that it's going to do is make the oceans cleaner. But ultimately, what it does is eliminate fishing and water recreation for basically uh, local people and reserves the right for commercial fishing. So you'll see a re it's um, claiming to be a reduction in fishing and, you know, water sports at large, which will then help make the oceans cleaner, but it isn't doing that. What it's actually doing is eliminating the opportunity for regular folk to be able to do that in reserving and preserving the opportunity for commercial interests that are funded from overseas. So you're seeing a lot of, you know, the Hobgood brothers, uh, rat boy, professional fishermen who are former professional surfers, essentially up in arms about this and actually calling the WSL out. It's been interesting to see the WSL posting these things on Instagram and all of these, you know, former world champs like uh, CJ Hobgood getting in there and go, hey, do you guys know what this is actually about? And kind of defending um, the right of the local ocean user. Yeah, this is an, I don't know anything about this, but all I know is the WSL should just stick to what it's supposed to be doing. Its primary proposition is, is crowning world champions. Everything else, save it for the Sierra Club. You know what I mean? Like, let's just do what okay. you're supposed to do. Ultimately, that's how I felt about it too, where it's part of their WSL Pure initiative. That's the reason yeah, why they're whatever. promoting this. And it's like, yeah, no, I get it. But that's, exactly. Like I get the, the ethos is good. However, unless you're devoting the amount of time and resource towards this, that you're devoting towards running events, you're probably going to misstep occasionally. And it's going to adversely affect the original business interest, which is of course running events. And so I agree with you. Yeah. Stay away from it. Yeah. They should. I mean, I don't know. 
I mean, the whole idea of having a nonprofit that's like, I get it that it makes sense for the WSL to be behind a clean, healthy ocean. Just, I mean, that's what David and Scott and everyone listening wants. Right. But I think there's experts that already exist where you can funnel resources to these experts, vet the experts that make the most sense that have been doing it for the longest and choose them to be the recipient of your resource. To me, the whole pure thing just reeks of like, look at us, I've got a nonprofit, I'm waving a flag. Don't, you know, it's kind of like, just crown a world champion and give your money to somebody like this, whoever you want that makes Surfaid. sense. I don't know who it is. Yeah, Surfaid, thank you. Yeah, I agree. But, you know, once again, the caveat behind everything that we say on this show is that I'm not really sure that I know what I'm talking about. You know, I need to, you know, who knows? This yeah. is what I do know. I did get into a situation with somebody in the water, which is always a fun way to end the show. Or start the show. <laughs> or start the show. You want to save it for next time? No, I need it now. Can't tease it. We got, like a, that. We got a little tease. We got a little tease going. It wasn't that bad. I was surfing yesterday, and um, it was crowded, and there, the little sandbar was fun. And um, this this young man back paddled me, and I went and I ran over his board, <laughs> and um, not on purpose. Okay. No, 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 no. Just when I was doing my bottom turn, he was turning into me and, and, and I put a big gash in his rail. And we wiped out and came up and said our little thing, blah, 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 blah. And I said, look, you backpedaled me. Did, did you, you know, like that just happened literally like four or five seconds ago. Do you not recall that? <laughs> it wasn't like we rode the wave for a long time. You know what I mean? He backpaddled me. We both dropped in and, and a ding occurred in his board. And I said my piece and he goes, ah, and I go, and then he goes, you know what? Maybe you're right. And I go, you know what? That's pretty cool. Guys taking responsibility. And we duck dive a few, you know, we had waves ramping on us and, and we, kept coming up and talking to each other between duck, duck diving waves. And, and I, you know, he's like, you know what? He was bombed, you know, he's like, my board, my board, it's, you know? And I'm like, yeah, but you, you back paddled me, you know? Like, what do you expect? He's like, oh, and I gotta tell you what, I'll pay for your ding, how much, you know? And we're like going under, well, <laughs> going under waves. And he's like, I don't know. And I'm like, see my car's in there, go into the beach and I'll, I'll pay to have your board fixed. He's like, oh, that's cool, man. That means so much. Thanks so much. And I'm like, no problem. What's your name? He goes, my name's Saxon. And I go, my name's Scott. And we became buddies. And uh, we came into the beach and I gave him money to fix his ding. And he ends up, he's from Florida and he's out here surfing. And he's actually buddies with Ryan Birch. And the whole thing ended up in a good way. And uh, I'm, I was stoked to meet Saxon from Florida and I'm looking forward to surfing with him. It was refreshing to have somebody, he kind of goes, you know what, you were right. I backpedaled you. And, and I was right. He totally backpedaled me. Now, you know, have I ever backpedaled somebody? Yeah, I probably have, you know. <laughs> Wait, okay. So can I do my breakdown now? Yes. Explain what a back 
a back paddle can be a couple of different things. Explain what this version of a back paddle was. This version was that it was a wind swelly peaky beach break situation when there was like five or six of us all in the one little takeoff zone and a peak popped up and I was right in the spot and this Saxon paddled right around me, whipped and his friend goes, go. And I thought he was talking to me. So I went and because it was my turn. I mean, the wave came right to me. Like it was, it was like a very blatant back paddle. It wasn't like he'd been sitting and waiting for 20 minutes or anything. Because the reason why I ask is because your perception of a back paddle could have been his perception of he out paddled you and then you burned him. Yeah, that's probably true. That, that, could, that argument could be made in a, in a court of law for sure. You know, like, um, that he out paddled me, but, um, yeah, maybe he out paddled me. Maybe that is the case. You know, who knows? Well, All I mean, knows the fact I, that he admitted to it, admitted to back paddling indicates that it wasn't or that it was a back paddle and that you were right in your assessment, but I was just offering, you know, a yeah. uh, alternative theory. So, um, now, my other question was, you said you came up from the waves and you said, blah, 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 blah. What was blah, blah, blah? When you both came up, what were the words that were exchanged? He just goes, what the fuck, man? And I just looked at him like and put my hands in the air and just like, I didn't say anything. I was just like, I just gave him the, the stare, you know? And then some other waves came. We had to go under him. And he's like, oh, you dinged my board, you know? And that's when I was like, you know what? Don't back paddle me. And then he's like, Oh, and then we went under some more waves. And eventually after going up under enough waves, he's like, he's like, Oh man, my board, you know, he was just more bummed about his board, you know, which yeah. I think he had just, per I think he might've just spent a thousand bucks on a brand new Ryan Birch or whatever. And I was like, and he's like, and I'm like, dude, you back. You know, I forget exactly how it went down, but there was obviously remorse coming from him and accountability and i was like you know what i respect that i'm gonna pay for the ding in your board you know like i'll pay for the ding that i put in your board he's yeah. like oh and then he was like dude that means so much thank you so much that's really cool like you know he's 20 years old you know he probably didn't have 80 bucks it was gonna cost to fix the ding yeah and and um i was like no problem and that's when i was like here's where my car is come in and see me you know what's your name my name's this blah 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 my name's that blah 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 and then it was pretty funny. He came into the beach. I gave him his money. And he's like, do you have any wax? I just want to stuff some. The waves were. Oh, super. no. <laughs> like, I just want to stuff some wax in this ding so I can continue to surf. I'm like, I get it, bro. I don't have any wax. Let's find you some. You know, like there might be some on the beach or whatever. And, and yeah. So it, it worked out. Well, but his name's Saxon from Florida. And he's like, he's, I was just stoked that he took, you know, responsibility for his action. Yep. And I, I mean, in many ways, he's a bigger man than me. I'm not sure that when I was his age, I would have been able to, to conjure up that type of maturity. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I liked it. It was a good story. <laughs> he must have good parents. This kid. Yeah. All right, Scott. Well, we'll hit him hard next time, but we always owe a shout out, of course, to Neat Essentials and to NVS Fins. And, uh, but yeah, what, and you got California gold surf auction, don't you? Yeah. California gold surf auctions coming up April 16th in a couple of months. We'll, the gavel will hit the auction block and boards will be sold. And I've got some sweet boards and, um, I'll be talking about them 
later on some other shows sweet yeah buddy all right well i will catch you next tuesday where are you going none of my business tahoe ski trip oh good for you all yeah. right who's watching the dog my mom no here we go she didn't know she was going to be the official dog watcher dog she, sitter she loves it she's got her own dog and he's older and he loves having a puppy around their best friends so oh, okay Good why you. were you offering you offering to watch sophie no i just know how it is when you have dogs and you got to get out of town it's, yeah it's an issue yeah all right well all right, until buddy. then all right have fun all right, adios and aloha yeah adios and aloha there we go so I take my offer Then you just ain't gonna cut it Then you're gonna go call the doctor Some are officially insane Short circuit inside my brain When I plug it in there's no signal about his train Short circuit inside my brain When I plug it in there's no signal about his train Short circuit inside my brain. When I plug it in, there's no signal in the battery's train. Short circuit inside my brain. When I plug it in, there's no signal in the battery's train.